This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. You know, it's no surprise as we work through this series, Seven Things That Kids Need to Hear. As we work through this, love is number one. And number two, if you remember, we said what the kids need to hear from us, first and foremost, those of us who have influence over the lives of children, who can speak into them, they need to hear us say, I love God. I love God. And they need to see that in action. Why? Well, because there are no grandchildren in heaven, right? They're only children. And that makes us realize that today, the present, is the opportunity that God gives us to make a difference in the lives of kids and showing them that we love God. Why? Because faith is primarily caught than it is taught. Now, last week we talked about marriage and we talked about the importance of how marriage is central to family life. And we said, going back to that love word, we said that what kids need to hear is they need to hear dad say, I love your mom. They need to hear mom say, I love your dad. And they need to see that lived out. Why? Because a healthy marriage, a healthy marriage is the foundation for rearing godly children. Well, it should be no surprise then as we continue working through the list, as we've talked about statement number one, I love God. Statement number two, I love your mom, I love your dad. It should be no surprise then, it's really a no-brainer that the next thing that kids need to hear is, I love you always. I love you always. Kids need to hear from us, the adults in their lives, that they're loved. They're loved. Now, here's the crazy thing about the word love. For us, love uh, gets its meaning by the context of how we use the word. I mean, let me give you an example. We know that when I say I love my wife, even though I use the word love, we know that it's different than when I say I love Grater's mocha chocolate chip. (laughs) Well, it better be at least, right? Uh, we know the meaning of love comes from the fact and the way we, how we use the word. Well, when we talk about love and we talk about loving our kids, an important question to ask is, how does that work? What does that look like? And I'm grateful for the fact that in the Bible, the, the language of the Bible, the language of the New Testament, they use different words for love. They use different words that have different meanings. There was a word for family love. There was a word for romantic love. There was a word for love between friends. Jesus, when he came in and began his ministry, Jesus captured a word for love that he made as the describer of what it means to love God and what it means to experience God's love. It's it's the Greek word agape. Perhaps you've used that. And what we have in the Bible is a description from the Apostle Paul, a description of what love is all about, this, this highest form of love, this ultimate love. It's described for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If we're interested of what it means to love as followers of God, and if we're going to say, 
I love you to our children, it's important to ask ourselves then, what does that mean? What does that look like? And, and 1 Corinthians 13 provides a foundation, a foundational concept of how to approach that question, how to answer that question regarding loving our children. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Follow along with me if you can, if you have it in your Bibles. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Make a note of that, particularly in this conversation about loving our children. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, Scripture tells us that if you are a Jesus follower, if you're seeking to live your life honoring God, living by His Word and following His will, then then you need to live in this manner. You need to live a life of love that's captured in this description of 1 Corinthians 13. And this applies to the love we're to have for our children. And so when we say, I love you always to our kids, when we express that love, when we live out that love, we have to understand as, as followers of God, that love has to find its grounding in this definition found for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And so with that, we come now to the text that I think is central to this conversation of how to love our children. How is it that we love our children? How do we say, I love you always to our kids? Bible addresses the issue of child rearing in a number of places. Today, I want, want everyone to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, because here we have a specific application, a specific instruction given to us on how we're to rear our children in the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It says, fathers, or parents, right? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now remember, we, we, I, I noted in the conversation, in the description of 1 Corinthians about love, notice I said that love is not easily angered. It's interesting here that we have now this instruction to parents not to provoke their children to anger, but instead, what? To train them up, to rear them up in the discipline or the, in the way, the life way and instruction, the information that comes from the Lord. Do not provoke them to anger. Well, how does that work? What does that mean? I, you know, I think it's good that we maybe take these two concepts apart and, and look at them each. How is it that we provoke our children to anger? What does that look like? How are children brought to a place where, where they're deeply uh, resentful of their parents, rebellious, pushing away, not accepting because of the, of the anger they feel towards their parents? How does that happen? Well, from my experience, from my observation, is we provoke to anger our children when we revert to operating in one of two extremes, when we revert to expressing our love, if you'd like, in one of two extremes. We either are too hard on them, too stringent, too, too restricting, too harsh, or the other side of that, the other extreme is we're, we're too soft. We're too demanding that they are perfect 
or we're not demanding at all because we don't want to hurt their feelings. Being too hard or too soft results in provoking your children to anger. Now, I came across this wonderful story that I think captures this so beautifully, that captures this whole picture for us. It's a story that comes from the life of legendary UCLA coach, college coach, John Wooden. Uh, this man was is just a, is a legend, a revered coach. What a, what a wonderful man and what a great leader. John Wooden tells a story in one of his conversations about his, his childhood. And by the way, his father was one of the greatest influences in his life. And so it's no surprise that this story is about his dad. Growing up in rural Indiana in farming communities, it was not unusual for farmers to use their teams of horses that would pull loads. It was not unusual for them to go to local quarries and to put them to work to earn some extra money. These quarries varied in terms of what, you know, they're all about. And some of them were pretty deep and it was pretty difficult for the horses to pull up their loads of gravel because that's what they were quarrying, their loads of gravel up soft roads and, and muddy roads and so on and so forth. And so the story is, is that one day one of these teams led by a young farmer was uh, pulling up this load and they were struggling. They were having a difficult time and, and the farmer was losing his temper. This young man was, was beating them and shouting at them and, and whipping them and, and just really giving them what for. And, and what was happening was that these, the team of horses were shying away, were, were, were afraid. They would not move forward. They would not fulfill the task that they were given. John Wooden says that's when his, his dad stepped in and he, he said to the young farmer, he said, let me, let me, let me, let me try. Let me, let me take over here. Let me take him from you. And his father, Wooden, Wooden Sr., uh, came to the horses and first thing he did was he gently approached them he spoke to them quietly with a whisper. He, he, he touched them in a way that calmed them down. And as he calmed them down with his gentle voice and his gentle way, he began to, to move forward a little bit, guided by their reins, and he whistled ever so kindly, ever so gently. He whistled there in front of them, and he began to lead them. They began to voluntarily follow him, and they pulled that load up that difficult road, easy as it could. Wooden said it was as if, uh, as if they, they were happy to do it under the leadership of John's father. Well, we have here a picture that I, I think captures for us the extremes. On the one hand, definitely we can see that the young farmer was too harsh. His way was too harsh, screaming, shouting, demanding, whipping, beating, uh, extreme it was too harsh. On the other hand, while the story doesn't contain an example of being too soft, I think we can all imagine that being too soft would be going the other way. Would either not allow the horses because it might hurt them to go down into the quarry, or when things were struggling to say, no, that's enough. We need to not let them bring up the load. We no need to, to let them fulfill what really they can do. No, what John Wooden, his father, demonstrated for us was this balance of love, this balance of, of being calm and confident and steady, this balance of, of what God's love calls us to do and, and how we're to approach our children, to realize that strength on the inside 
strength on the inside can also manifest it in gentleness on the outside, but it's not softness, but it's not harshness. Why? Because, because we're not called to provoke our children to anger by being one of the two extremes, too hard and too soft. That's the teaching of Scripture. Now, it's important to understand this, that in the context of things, while we're talking about this concept of love, and now we're talking about this instruction where, where Paul says, do not provoke your children to anger. We know that happens when we're going from one extreme to the other, too hard or too soft. And he says, but instead, train them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Train them up in that. We have to understand that this passage of Scripture, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, is actually an application of a principle or a calling that Paul introduces in an earlier chapter, in chapter 5. And I'd like you to, to turn to that if you have it in your Bibles. I'm reading again from the, a New American Standard Bible, chapter 5, verse 15. It says, Therefore, therefore being, now that you know that you are made right with God through faith, now that you are walking with God in obedience, now that you're learning to commit to a life of love, therefore, be careful how you walk how you walk in life, how you live in life, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, as I'm going through this, what struck me, it's almost like a light bulb, right? Well, a light bulb is, oh my goodness. First of all, God gives us this principle of love. What does love look like? Well, love, God's kind of love is this love that's captured for us in 1 Corinthians 13. Then the application of this kind of approach to life, this kind of love, this is what it looks like when we're, we're called to love our children. We're, we're called not to exasperate them by harshness or exasperate them by being too uh, tolerant of, of things and not giving them challenges that match their capabilities, not being too hard and too soft. No, this, this, this love that looks to release them and not stymie them, looks to, to bring them up in the way they need to go, that provides protection and provides also a, a, a protection from things they can't handle, but also prepares them for living life. Well, this all comes into this, this love has to be captured in this concept of wisdom. And it struck me that, you know what? The way we're to love our children is that we're to love them with wisdom. God wants me to love my kid wisely with the wisdom that comes from above. Now, when you look in the Bible, you'll see that God's kind of love and wisdom are partnered concepts, are partnered concepts. Wisdom is applying the truth of God in the right way at the right time for the right results. It's not just knowledge. It's applying knowledge that brings about good results. And the good is defined by love. The good is defined by, by what God calls us to do. And so we are called to love our children specifically. How am I supposed to love my kid? How am I supposed to tell my kid, I love you always? We're to do it wisely. We're to do it in a manner that seeks to, to be obedient and to be in line with 1 Corinthians 13 so that they might be released to their fullest potential as Jesus followers, as people seeking to live their life for God. Now, I know that no manual was attached to any one of my kids. There was no instruction manual attached to their big toe. There was nothing that came with, with on how to, to rear my girl Valerie, my girl Madeline, my, my son Christian, my son Andrew. There was no instruction manual specific to that. 
nothing. So uh, that tells me then that I have to see guidance other ways. And what's beautiful is that the Bible says, while there's no instruction manual per se per kid, obviously we have the Word of God, what we do have provided for us is the gift of wisdom. And parenting, learning to love your child wisely, is now not more a matter of data. Yes, there's data, there's information that's needed, there's, there's learning, but it's more a matter of wisdom. It's more a matter of prayer. It's more a matter of faith. It's more a matter of mentoring. It's more a matter of investing and building up and helping this young person flourish uh, into an adult that will be honoring God, loving God, loving people. It's, it's a matter of living by wisdom. And God's word promises that if we lack wisdom, what do we do? We ask it. Here's James chapter, five, chapter 1, verse 5. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If anyone lacks wisdom, ask God. I know parenting is, is sometimes just a scary thing. There's sometimes you wonder, what am I doing? What do I need to do? How do I do this? I have no idea. That's the time when we lean into this verse and we seek God's wisdom. And I don't care what age your child is, whether they're newborn or whether they're 25, we all need wisdom from God so that we might love them in the manner that God wants us to love them. Why? Because our kids need to hear us say, I love you always, and they need to experience that love that is consistent with God's love, captured, described for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. See, your children need to know that you love them. Kids need to hear that you love them always. And loving them with wisdom means that first and foremost, uh, you, you don't shy away from communicating your love with them in appropriate, meaningful touch. And, and so even I know it's, it's, you know we're in tricky times when it comes to this, but those of you that are home, those of you that are sitting with your kids, I encourage you at this moment, at this time, just to, to give your kids a hug, to, to give your kids an appropriate squeeze, to, to reach out and, and to just let communicate to them that you love them. Kids also need, when we love them wisely, they also need to hear us speak those words. You know, it's a shame to think that there are kids in this world, and, and maybe you think you don't realize this, but there's sometimes kids don't never hear their parents or rarely hear their parents tell them, look them in the eye and just tell them, I love you. And when you talk about that, when you speak that, speak not only words of love, but speak words of affirmation. Add to that. Just don't say, I love you. No, say, I love you, and I love this about you, and I appreciate this about you, and, I, and I'm thankful that you are in my life, and I'm thankful for all that you have for me. I'm thankful that, that even though perhaps there are times of challenge, those times of challenge are just just part of learning the unique part of who you are and how you live. And, and I'm here for you because I'm going to speak to you words of affirmation. And so if you need to say that to your kids, if you need to text that to your kids, if you need to, to just take a moment and just tell, you, tell your kids what great things you see in them, go ahead and do that. Don't waste. Now's the time. Do it. You know, kids being loved wisely also need to understand that you are their biggest cheerleaders. And I'm not talking about this thing about telling your kids, oh, you can do anything you can put your mind to. Well, we know that's not necessarily true. You know, if your kid is, grows up to be four foot two, uh, they're not going to be able to dunk a basketball no matter how much they want to, right? I mean, come on. 
But what you have to do is to understand that being your, your kid's biggest cheerleader is to say, is to look for things that they do well and to point that out directly to them and say and, and paint for them a picture of possibilities that go with the gifts that God gives to them. You know, one person says that kids need you to, to paint a special future for them, to vision with them, to, to see the possibilities of the things they can do. And, and you can see, if you're being around your kid, you can see what they're passionate about. You can see what they're good at. If you're spending time with your child, uh, you will know the things that, that are really all good. I, I hate to hear parents say to their kids, oh, you're just rotten, or you're just da da da. Don't do that anymore. Say words that affirm the best in them. And when they do make mistake, don't make that personal. Instead, call it for what it is. Hey, you're acting in this way. Hey, you've done something that, that is wrong. It doesn't mean that you're going to be identified with this, but this is something that is incor incorrect and, and deal with it that way. I think you also need to realize that kids need to understand that you're in this uh, for the, for, forever. You, you know, you're tenaciously committed to loving them wisely and you're sticking to it and you're sticking with it and you're going to be with them and you're going to, uh, like I, I said before, you, you're going to be their, their protector when it's appropriate. Uh, you know, I say protect kids from things that they cannot handle, right? When they're outmatched and outgunned, that's when we as parents need to step in and protect them. But on the flip side, we also need to prepare them, which means we give them challenges uh, and tasks that they're able to deal with. And maybe they will fail, but if they fail, it's not the end of the world. In fact, failure for a child many times uh, done in the best way is the best thing for them to build them in confidence because they tried something difficult, they learn from it, and you just keep moving forward with them on that. But you have to be fully committed. Why? Because in order to love wisely, remember what, what, what it says about love? Love perseveres. It never gives up. You know, I took the love passage in 1 Corinthians and I kind of modified it. And I'd like to read this to you. I'd like to read it to you as a final exhortation, as a final encouragement to, to you who have influence over children, have influence over young people. And again, I'm not just talking about young kids I'm talking about middle schoolers, teenagers, young adults. Uh, they need this kind of approach by those who are adults in their life, who are older, whom they're looking to for guidance and, and, and help. They need to hear this too. But this is the kind of love that I think we need to have. This is the kind of love that I mean when I say, I love you always, right? It says, we need to love them with patience and kindness, not tearing them down with shame, arrogance, and pride. See, this kind of love honors, that means holds with importance value. It teaches how to live to love God, and it does not blow up in anger. Does not blow up in anger. It's, it's not capricious, that's a, that's a big word, but basically, it, it, this kind of love gives a security, kids, and not a fear as the, uh, Mount Vesuvius is going to erupt if they step out of line or do something that they shouldn't have done. No. Love delights and gives blessing. This kind of love protects. This kind of love prepares for a future that is God-honoring. And this kind of love stays true. That's that word perseverance, stays true when it gets tough. 
our kids need to hear us tell them, I love you always. I love you always. That, that, that love is communicated by meaningful touch. That love is communicated by words of affirmation. That love is communicated in, in seeing in them a, a special future and seeing their talent. That, that love is, is, is communicated on, on playing a, placing a high value on the giftings that God has placed in them. That love is tenaciously committed to love wisely, not being too harsh and not being too soft, not provoking to anger. But as Paul says, but training them up in the discipline, in the way of living and instruction of the Lord. It's so good to be with you today, and I'm going to ask that uh, right now you allow me the opportunity to pray a blessing on you and your family where you are. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for this time we can be together, and I thank you for uh, your word that, that gives us instruction, and I'm thankful that we have this, this insight, this depth of, of what love needs to look like, and I just pray that you would give us the wisdom James promises that if we, we lack wisdom, that we're to call out to you and to believe that you give to us the wisdom we need to do the right things in the right way. That's what, what means to love wisely, to do things in the right way at the right time for the right results so that we might see the release of our, our kids. We will see the blessing and the flourishing of our kids into godly, mature, responsible, uh, bold, strong individuals who will live in this world, shining the light of Jesus brightly. Lord, I just pray that you give us that wisdom. I pray for all the households that households represented uh, and all the, the folks that are listening. And I pray for grandma and grandpa. I pray for a special uncle and aunt. I pray for mom and dad. I pray for kids. I pray that you would just bless them. And that at this time, at this moment where we are have been enforced uh, somewhat of a retreat, that we might hear your word. And be reminded of the things that are most important. And most significantly, we might say, I love God. I, I love your mom and dad. And I love you always. And I'll love you with the love that Jesus taught us to, to live by. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.